Well, hello, dear friends. Here we are as we ease our way into winter and out of autumn. Uh, autumn's my favorite season and it never lasts long enough for me. But here we go. We are in 2 Timothy. A couple of things have changed with Paul. Uh, even though these letters are written very close together, First and 2 Timothy and Titus and a couple of others are written in a clump. There has been a momentous change in Paul's life. Uh, there, the change has been so much that I believe it affects his language, some of his verbiage, um, some of the doctrines he speaks of, and those he does not. And yet all of those things are used by a, a rather large body of scholars to say that Paul did not write one or both of these books. And I've read their arguments, and their arguments are well said, and they're well sourced. They have a lot of good things to say there, but they don't drag me across the line. To me, this is still Paul, but Paul in a very different circumstance. You see, in 1 Timothy, Paul was still a free man, even though he was being hassled by the authorities because the Christians who were also Jews, were they looked upon Paul as a heretic because he's a Jew and he's a Christian but he didn't believe that Christians had to be like the Jews. See, to the Jews, Christianity was just another movement within their body, and to accept Christ was great, but you also had to have the Jewish law. And Paul kept saying, no, just Jesus, and that made him a danger to the community, to their church, if you want to put it that way, and since their church was their community and their life and their identity and their meaning, it felt like a very personal attack on their very families and everything they stood for. So them going after Paul wasn't done out of being mean or hateful. It was done out of faith. They believed Paul was wrong. But they pushed and pushed and they got the secular authorities into it. So in 1 Timothy, Paul is still free. But in 2 Timothy, Paul is in Rome. He's under house arrest. His circumstances have markedly changed, and for the worse. And he can see what is coming by the time he writes 2 Timothy. So, if you are writing a letter, and by the way, kids, ask your grandparents what a letter was. Um, you, the way you phrase it will be very different if you're writing from prison than it would if you were writing from your upstairs room. I understand that psychologically and linguistically, and therefore I don't see a reason to toss Paul out as a writer of 2 Timothy. Plus, if I had my last chance to do a video for you, or my last chance to do a video for my wife, or for my son and daughter, or for my uh, five amazing grandkids, it would be a very different video than this one. And yet, if somebody just listened, they might say, well, that's somebody putting on Patrick's voice. Who would do that? But uh, he's not using the same verbs. And he has, a, he has different ways of, of uh, approaching a couple subjects on this. So I don't really know. Situations changed, therefore language changes. All right? So that said, 2 Timothy, the standard opening, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, 
let's get into the meat because this is a very meaty book. While a lot of people run to 1 Timothy to grab doctrines, and we showed you that that is by and large not appropriate, here you're going to see more of Paul's heart and, and, and that feeling we get as we get older, that have we made a difference? Are we, are we leaving a legacy? You know, our safe harbor is doing its level best to make sure that this survives me, it survives you, that this is um, whatever form the internet takes, whatever form information dispersal takes, that the story of Jesus can keep pumping out through these pipes and people like you keep it alive and keep us going. And wow, just, I, I can't thank you enough. Let's get into the text. I thank God whom I serve as, more for, as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Now, as soon as I hear the word self-discipline, I think of Titus, because that is all over the book of Titus. So it makes sense to me that that is still in his mind as he sets his pen to write to Timothy. Now, um, if you look at Timothy through particular eyes, you will see different things. Psychologists read this book. Psychiatrists read this book. When they do, they get the feeling that Timothy could be timid and he needed to be encouraged more than once to, to step out of his comfort zone and be courageous. I, I actually do see that too. Paul opens this up by saying, listen, you know, last time I saw you, you were in tears and I'm praying for you and I'd love to see you and it would just fill my joy. Well, of course, he's under house arrest and coming to see him would be uh, quite the journey. <coughs> Journeys were very difficult. They weren't, you very often needed letters of passage to get from one place to the other. Plus, once you visit a prisoner, the authorities know that you have visited a prisoner. That's why um, Jesus, when he talks about visiting those in prison, wasn't meaning a, hey, you know, it's Tuesday, we got some extra time. It's visiting day at the prison, let's just go say hi, which would be wonderful. Please do that, do that. But for us, there's no consequence other than the loss of a bit of time. For them, you might be watched by the authorities. You might become a scapegoat if something goes wrong down the road. So he's saying, you would make me happy if you would come see me. And he thinks of him with his tears, with Timothy's tears, and reminds him, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. I do not see any, um, <clears throat> any great weight to which one he mentions first. You know, so I, I'm not gonna do that ranking thing. I don't think it's there. We have been given a spirit of power. Why? Well, there are a lot of different ways. One, we have the Holy Spirit within us, which we are told he rose Jesus from the dead and he's in you, so why are you afraid? And then we open our eyes and we look around and we see cancer and we see car wrecks and we see uh, wars 
and, and we see horrible things around us. And we go, well, that's why I'm afraid. Yes, I get that. But what would it be like if you believed what you believe more than you fear what you fear? What would your life be like? Now, I know I'm saying that to some of you who have every reason to fear. You're, you are going through a horrible disease or worse, your child is, your loved one is, or you've lost your job and there's an illness and there was a car that broke down and now you can't get to the one job you can, you can still find. All of these things are legitimate fears. All of these things are legitimate reasons to put on sackcloth and ashes and sit down and say, why God? that God does, he never tells us not to do that. And in fact, he engages with people who want to wrestle him. So, okay. So what kind of power am I talking about? Well, when I was a boy, it was always dramatic. You know, the Russians are going to come and they're going to put a gun to your head and say, do you believe in Jesus? What would you say? Um, you know, we're sitting there six, seven, eight years old going, uh, we, we knew the answer. We knew what the answer was. We'd say Jesus. But um, I don't know. And by the way, I think if you said, no, I don't know him and you got shot, Jesus is smarter than to think that you really meant it. So I'm not, I'm not going to put those kind of burdens on you, all right? But there is a level of power in us that comes from not being afraid of the ultimate death. Yes, I'll miss you. Uh, I'll miss you when you're gone, or I'll miss you when I'm gone. But not forever. Reunion day will be sweet. And the reunion day is going to be a lot bigger than anything you've ever imagined. God's going to love a lot more people than preachers told you that he would. I guarantee you. Why? Because he said so. It's in scripture. And we're going to look at that in some detail in a sermon series come the new year at our safe harbor. So check Sundays and you'll see that popping up fairly soon about the, the unlimited love of God. Well, that said, that should give us some power. That should give us the ability to, to move past our timidity and to live in power. But also, it should give you some immunity against the warped mirrors of the world. And I've used this illustration before, so I don't want to, to wear out your patience with me. Uh, but back in the old days, there used to be the funhouse illusion where you'd go through and all these warped mirrors would make you look bendy or super tall and thin or super short and fat or uh, all wobbly. And, and we would point and we would laugh and we would giggle. What we need to understand, however, is that we did not leave the funhouse. We are in it all the time and what people see and they reflect back, this is what we see you as, is not the truth. What they see is not the truth. You are the world expert on you. And it only takes one person to ruin things. One kid on the bus who hasn't been taught by their parents how to behave to make fun of the way another one dresses. And all of a sudden the favorite shirt is put away never to be worn again and a, a love maybe a dinosaurs or airplanes or that's shelved because that's not safe i can remember being asked 
wants to come and speak to a group of young ladies in a high school in a rural area in Ohio. I was asked to come back two weeks in a row and to talk to them about how they could reorder their lives because you see all of these young ladies were pregnant in high school in a very poor county in Ohio in Appalachia actually a lot of people don't know there's uh, there's a sizable portion of Ohio which is in Appalachia and as I visited with them and, and men, most of them just wanted when I asked what are your dreams what do you want most of them just wanted their own trailer with their baby and basically being on support the, a couple of them wanted to be to work with hair or, or other like and and that's fine you know um, any job is honorable like that one I got to one and I said what about you and the and she put her head down and the others are going oh go ahead tell him just go ahead. and they were really going at her and she finally opened up that she would like to be a veterinarian but she said Bob I, I won't be one and I said yeah you know you're in Ohio and Ohio State University's veterinary program is one of the top rated in the world uh, I know some people maybe we could talk she seemed a little interested next week I came she wasn't interested anymore by that week all of them had clawed her back down to their level it's, it's like a crab you catch one crab by the way throw them in a bucket they'll get right out so don't put them in a bucket wait till you get two crabs once you throw two crabs in a bucket once any one of them tries to reach up the other will drag it down we are free from this somebody can look at me and say uh, you know Patrick you're this Patrick you're that Patrick you're whatever okay that's a warped mirror my God says I'm a son of God dearly beloved saved to the uttermost and he says that about you as well you're his daughter you're his son he loves you he sees you through the eyes of love and through the eyes of Christ and you are saved so that gives you power from the insults of the world they don't hit you anymore you don't have to fight back anymore because they're wrong and you know they're wrong somebody walks up to you and goes you know what I don't like about you you're 18 heads and the fact that you're 12 feet tall and purple well you would just kind of assume that person lost their brains and smile and move on by any accusation that they bring against you from their warped mirrored life and perspective melts away before the reality of the love of God so we smile and go on by Timothy needed some help to be strong as he watched his hero now in prison and facing death a death which would come through violence through secular the governmental murder of Paul and he needed to be strong that's the main thing Paul's going to work on here do not be ashamed he says in verse 8 to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me his prisoner but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God there's a power again who has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done but because of his own purpose and grace this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time I want to stop there even it's really in the middle of a sentence but with Paul come on Paul sentences could go a long time he's saying Timothy you be strong buck up stand up face it and walk into it 
even if it seems fearful, even if it seems dangerous, because you are covered by the grace of God, not because of anything we have done. Wow, churches, then why do you make it so hard? It says, in fact, that grace was given to us by Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. You see that? Reunion day is going to be a lot bigger than you thought. God's grace is bigger and has flown to more places than you would have ever thought. But it's now been revealed, this grace, has now been revealed to us through the appearing of our Savior. In other words, we already had the grace of God. God's grace was already upon us. But now it's been revealed to us because he sent his Son to show us what he has done for us. Christ Jesus, who has, what did he do on the cross? Well, he forgave sins and the like, but that's not what Paul focuses on. Who destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the good news, the gospel. That's where we get our power. And so we fear not, even though we do fear. We do fear things on this planet. The big things we fear not because eventually we win. We went to the book of Revelation over a year ago now, and you can go back and get all of those midweek Bible studies from chapter one all the way through. And I brought up that Randy Harris summed it up beautifully and wonderfully by saying, Satan has a team, God has a team, God's team wins, pick a team. That gives you a lot of power. And panic eases away. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am, yet I'm not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. In other words, I'm not ashamed of being in prison. I'm not ashamed of being called all of these names because I know who I believed and I trust him. And he says, I've entrusted into him. Paul says, you know, all right, I've given my life to Jesus. I trust him with my life. I trust him. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. That's a great, that's a great attitude to have. I, I don't always have that attitude. Most of the time, but under the worst times, in the dark of night, or in the moment of loss, I can waver. I bet you can too. You see, we're not spiritual giants, are we? we? We're not perfection. We have deep and abiding flaws, and yet we trust God and His grace. And I trust it not only for me, but I also trust it for you. So even if we disagree and people go, what do you think? I say, what do I think? I think that God's love is bigger than any petty dif difference I might have with somebody. Um, even if it looks massive to us, it's a petty difference. God's love. I trust the grace. And Paul did. He says, what you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Again, he's, he's trying to get timid, Timothy to not be timid, but to buck up, stand up, face reality, walk through it, and live a holy life regardless of what hell is breaking loose around him. 
For if we've learned nothing, we should learn this from the book of Job, that when all hell breaks loose, it could be because you've done the right thing and you're a good person. It's always an option. Now, the thing here, I, I bring this up frequently because in my tribe, the phrase sound teaching means you teach the party line of our interpretations the way we've done it and you change nothing. And so you'll see advertisements for ministers that are sound minister. And almost every one of these churches is dying, frittering, because the old arguments don't work. Because the old arguments were always Jesus and this massive pile of our interpretations. Jesus didn't die for that. He died for you. He loves you. So Jesus, take Jesus. And in fact, if you read Paul's letters, that's what he keeps coming back to, saying, I know nothing but Jesus. That's the sound doctrine. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. If you are a believer in Christ, that's amazing. It really is. I mean, think about it. That, that means that you were born in a certain place at a certain time where certain people passed by and taught other people. You are the recipient of this river of faith that has been flowing for thousands of years. Guard it. Keep your faith going. Not by going, la, 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 I don't see problems. No, you can see problems. You can look at the Bible through scientific and historical eyes and you can see the humanity in it and it's not gonna mess with your faith unless your faith is in a pristine, perfect, always God-like Bible rather than in God, what the Bible brings you to, the person, the deity, the, the being he brings you to. Or that your faith is troubled by the troubles of this world or by your pain, mental, physical, emotional, financial. I, I, I get all of that. I've been through all of it and some of it I'm still in. For I like you, I'm a fellow traveler in, in a body which is not uh, pain-free and in a life which is not problem-free. I'm right there with you. My faith in God has not made my life rainbows and unicorns and it hasn't made yours that way either. So we can be upfront about that and say, and yet I believe. That's a really powerful thing. Guard that deposit for that river of faith that you received. Don't be the, don't be the place where the river stops. Continue to flow with the love of God and God will take care of the rest. The Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. He says, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Would you just stop and think of that? He's been telling Timothy, you be strong, you be courageous. Don't let the river stop with you, buddy. Keep the flow going. And then almost casually, all of those churches that he founded, that he wrote to, that he went to, spent time, where he even had to earn his own living with his own hands because he didn't have the money to pay him sometimes, and he would work for them and all this energy. And he goes, everybody in Asia has deserted me. And yet, Paul still believes. 
he's under house arrest. Soon, as he already knows, we will find out later, he is going to be executed um, for his faith and, and just, because, just because he was a problem. As long as he was alive, the Jewish leaders were not going to be at peace and Rome was far more interested in peace and order than they were in individual lives or rights. And yet he says, believe, even if they turned against you. Keep your faith going. That's on them. You do your job. It is amazing how much of my life has been to tell myself and to tell others, do your job. Don't, don't let your eyes get distracted by all the issues. Just do your job. The um, John Bunyan's A Pilgrim's Progress comes to mind because as Christian is trying to make his way in this perilous journey, uh, he's been told keep to the path. He's been told don't talk to these people. But all these little things just keep coming to him and he gets in more trouble and more trouble because he didn't just do his job. That job is to be a Christian and be honorable and be holy in your family, at work, on the highway, wherever you are. Just do your job. No matter what other people do, you do yours. He goes further. May the Lord show mercy to the household of on uh, this. I can't even say it now. On this because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. See, there wasn't a central booking office. You couldn't call and say, well, are they in prison? You had to go about and find them, walking through. You had to talk to the right people. You better believe the Roman authorities picked up on this. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that date. You know how, you know very well how in many ways he helped me in Ephesus. We don't know about this guy, but God knows about him and Paul knows about him. Please remember that Paul would not have been able to do his work had there not been people to supply a basket, rope, and hold it while they lowered him over the wall so that the authorities could not kill him. We'll never know their names till we get to heaven. God knows their names and he knows your name. So do what you can when you can with what you've got. It's all God asks. So guess what? He's saying all of this once again to get Timothy back in line. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Don't let the river stop with you. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if one competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. By the way, we brought this up before. We are reading somebody else's mail. And we're only reading part of it because we there's absolutely no reason to think we have all of it and we're not reading the return replies but we're also reading somebody else's mail in this case 
which other people will read who are not friends of Paul. He's under house arrest. There's a very good chance that several Roman authorities, functionaries at different levels, will scan this letter before they send it on or allow it to be sent on. There was no freedom of the press and no freedom of the post. Therefore, there are times he speaks obliquely. And there's a little bit of that here. Some of it's very open, very, we get it. Endure hardship like a good soldier. Take it, show up, stand up, move. Also, don't get entangled. We talked about that with Christian on his way, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan. By the way, if you've never read it, read it. And if you're not really good at reading Shakespeare-type Old English, get a modern-day translation. Um, some of the theology in it and some of the doctrine is eh, not even close, but it's just a fascinating way to tell the story. So you may enjoy it. And the copyright's off, so you could probably find some of this online for free. But then as an athlete, you play by the rules, you get the crown. So Timothy, you know the rules. And then the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. That might have been a reflection back to Timothy. Come see me. I worked hard. I have the right to receive from the first of the crop. I have the right to be seen and, and cared for. And that's going to come up again later on in this book. But it also reflects back to Jesus saying, you know, the ox, you don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. When somebody works for you, it, they should be acknowledged. You should make eye contact with the person at McDonald's, or you should make eye contact with the servers and know their names and treat them as a person and care for them, showing them patience. Uh, it's the way we treat others who have no ability to return the favor. That's who shows who you are. And the people in prison, they can't do anything for you. Here's a way to show your character. What if one of them is the reason you're a Christian? Then a response is necessary. Uh, or at least it should be done. We'll put it that way. We've hit our 30 minute mark and I try not to hold you longer than that. Thank you so much for being a part of Our Safe Harbor. If you have questions, please send me an email at info at rsafeharbor.com. And if you want to know more about us and how to give, if you're able and if, you, if, if you're desirous to do so, that's just at um, OurSafeHarbor.com. We love you. God bless you. As we enter the Advent season, I hope it's the most blessed Advent you've ever, ever had. Fear not. Stand up. Move forward.